You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, plank fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Sunday, we've got a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast, joined... Again, by the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. We need to talk about what's been going on on the West Coast here. Pac-12 football, USC football, Pac-12 media day. USC had their own media day. Started fall camp. It's early. It's still July. Today's July 30th and we're recording this. USCR has a couple of practices in for fall camp because they got a week zero game this year against San Jose State. So everything got moved up. A week, and we wanted to talk to Coach about all of that. If you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have that Apple Podcasting app on your phone, please follow us and leave a five-star rating review. Really appreciate that. And tell your friends about the Peristyle Podcast. We've been doing this, coming at you since 2008, if you can believe that. Talking about the USC Trojans here on the Peristyle Podcast, and from the very beginning, we've had the Coach Harvey Hyde on. Coach, how you doing, sir? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I've had a pretty good, if you call it a uh, off-season. Uh, there hasn't been an off-season. It's basically what's next. What's going to be the next announcement by the Pac-12 or the announcement that USC and UCLA are going to the uh, the Big Ten, Colorado going to the Big Ten, uh, Media Day, the predictions of Media Day. I mean, it's just which way do you want to go? It's just unbelievable with all the things uh, that uh, has happened in college football with, of course, the portal, and that's something we never dealt with before except for the past couple of years. The amount of money that some of these kids are making in the portal, you have to recruit your roster, the roster you already have. So, Ryan, I'm just going to more or less let it, you roll with it. You ask me any question you want, uh, and if anybody out out there has questions, we're going to be back, I think, Ryan, not now normally on our regular podcast basis and uh, try to bring it to everybody. And remember, it's just our opinion on everything. For sure. Just our opinion. We want to share it with you and kind of talk about the uh, the news like Coach uh, Hyde talked about 
There's a lot of different things. I want to go back uh, to Pac-12 Media Day, and because uh, we never got to get your th- thoughts on that. Lincoln Riley, of course, uh, excuse me, USC head coach, and uh, Caleb Williams, uh, Heisman winning quarterback, Mason Cobb, uh, linebacker transfer from Oklahoma State. Uh, the fact that he was chosen was kind of an interesting one, and he teared up uh, hearing from Lincoln Riley that he knew he was going to be the guy representing USC at Pac-12 Media Day. But for a newcomer like that to come in and be alongside Caleb Williams, I thought they both represented themselves very well. I thought Lincoln Riley did a really good job representing himself. Uh, it was a weird vibe at Pac-12 Media Day because everyone was focused on the non-existent media rights deal. And, you know, George Klyovkov didn't even mention USC or UCLA in their opening remarks. I, I actually told that to Lincoln Riley coach and um, Riley said, well, if we win at all, they'll mention us. So I thought that was kind of funny. But any kind of thoughts you had from uh, Pac-12 Media Day from a USC perspective, Coach, or, or any other perspective? Well, I thought it was sort of a casual media day. Uh, I mean, by that sort of low key, there wasn't anything really big, positive announcements that uh, the commissioner made. Didn't even announce uh, maybe a or give a hint on the future of the Pac-12, and I'm sure he had uh, and knew that Colorado was in a position to be leaving. I don't think he wanted to be addressed on that. Uh, uh, he basically, uh, to me, didn't show the leadership and the pride of the Pac-12, and obviously didn't want to talk about USC and UCLA, because he's probably mad at them for leaving the conference. But uh, I thought it could have been more upbeat as far as for the Pac-12. You know, the Pac-12 is trying to survive, and the Pac-12 still has some pretty good football teams in it. If they just sort of patch up a few of the leaks in it as far as with Colorado going and USC and UCLA going, they can still survive, and it'd be a great conference because it's going to be a Pac-5 conference, and the winner of the conference will have a great shot at going to the playoffs. I think you could build that up, and I think you could be positive on that. And, you know, you've got some great teams in Washington, Washington, Utah. They've sort of dominated it so far, so they're coming back so far, along with uh, Oregon. Oregon State's going to have a good football team, so it's not like the cupboard is bare if they want to repair it in a hurry and be positive about it and come up with some type of results as far as what their package is going to be as far as the media is concerned. And this is something that I think that uh, people have been dragging their feet on and people want to know because this is going to control on what the future of the Pac-12 is as far as revenue. And I think it goes back uh, to where uh, you put someone in a position, nothing against George K. I think he's doing his best. He's walking in trying to stop the bleeding with Larry Scott. Larry Scott just blew, just blew it as far as the Pac-12 was concerned with non-support of USC and all the different things that went through uh, the Trojan uh, campus with the sanctions and, you know, the athletic director changes. It's, it's, it hasn't been a strong, strong Pac-12 for a while. So I, I think they need to have some great leadership. They need to, you know, stop the bleeding. They got to allow USC and UCLA and Colorado to move on. Don't talk about them too much, but talk about how good the Pac-12 is going to be this year. You know, there wasn't that emphasis. You know, the Pac-12 should be pretty good this year. They got top quarterbacks. They got some good football teams. So me, I would have focused on that and didn't talk. Uh, wouldn't want to talk about too much of the other things. I'd want to say, hey, we're going to have a pretty good conference this year. That's what I would have directed at. Yeah, I think he tried. Um, 
you know, to do that, obviously it's a tough, it's a tough pill when everyone is interested in the media rights deal and, you know, the actual survival of the conference. I just thought the way he did it was clunky and, uh, you know, I get it. He was dealt a very bad hand, like you said, from Larry Scott, but you know, you can go broke with a bad hand that you shouldn't like you can, you know, you can try to lose the minimum when you get a bad hand, uh, for a Vegas poker analogy. And it looks like he's going broke with it. And so you, that doesn't have to be that way. Um, I think he was taking, you know, he, he took some risks and he was trying to, he made some big decisions and, you know, decisions to stay quiet this last year. I don't think it's paid off. Uh, you know, decisions to talk about how they were just keeping everyone together and then Colorado slips out, you know, to the decisions to make this go longer and longer as opposed to just getting a deal done that, Maybe is it where you wanted it to be, but the fact of having a deal is more important than just being in limbo this long. There was risks on all those decisions, and I think he's he made the wrong choice on most of them, if not all of them. So I kind of a weird spot um, for the Pac-12. Uh, maybe that it, we could talk about that too before we kind of get into some of the USC stuff, Coach. Just with Colorado leaving, um, very unsuccessful athletic program the last few years or the, since Colorado joined the Pac-12, but it is a major win for Brett Yormark and the Big 12 because you are taking, you know, when they lose Texas and Oklahoma, they added the best available group of five schools. Well, now you're adding a power five school. It's a different class. And I think it's not necessarily just because it's Colorado, they were one and 11 or whatever, but, you know, it was a Colorado program that was in the, that conference for 60 years or whatever, you know, coming back, there's potential there with coach prime for sure. There's some buzz, but really I think just opening up the door for to be the, you know, the, the first domino and then being able to maybe get another one or two or three schools from the pac 12 and really putting, you know, putting two torpedoes, two more torpedoes in the side of the pac 12 sub, the pac 12 had an opportunity to do this a couple of years ago. They could have, you know, the Big 12 was left for dead. And Klyovkov could have gone in and picked through the rubble and took the best op- options there and really put them out of their misery. You know, they were just standing, you know, eight count or whatever. You could knock them out. And they didn't. And it's not just Klyovkov. It's the presidents, too. You, you chose to keep your powder dry and stand pat. And I think that was another bad decision. Now the Big 12 is, you know, it's a phoenix from the ashes reemerging and now taking you down. So your very survival is on, you know, it's just on the brink. And I feel like, you know, Klyovkov had opportunities there. But this Colorado move to me, coach, is more about what the next one could be. I think the next one is what could pretty much kill the Pac-12, which is hard to say. Um, but that's where it seems like we are. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that, coach. Well, I tell you, a lot of movement in, uh, at the University of Colorado prime time comes in there goes through the whole roster gets all the publicity sells out spring practice sells out all the season tickets for this year and all within one year brings in all these portal players and then the announcement that they're going to another conference i mean that's a lot of movement as far as in one university and one program in one year and what is going to be a successful program for prime at the university of colorado this year as you mentioned they won one game last year what is it three games is it four games? I mean, Prime's going to have to get used to He's not going to go and, and win eight games this year. I'm just going to tell you that isn't going to happen. If it does, I'll apologize to everybody that's listening. 
but they spent 13 years in the Pac-12, and uh, the Pac-12 now is uh, letting them go, or they're buying their way out, and they're going to where the grass is greener, and I can't blame them at all, as you mentioned. And uh, the really, the Pac-12 uh, should be blamed for everything. They, you know, just let's face it, they're in this position, and you've heard me talk about this for years, they're in this position because of the way the programs and the conference has been run from the presidents down. The presidents have to take some responsibility for this, or maybe all the responsibility for this, because they're the ones that approved and hired Larry Scott and then gave him a renewal of another five years contract and saw no improvement in going on. They brought in somebody that was a tennis guru, which uh, really doesn't fit in a conference commissioner position. And George K comes in and really, what did he know about college football? He's a entertainment guy, good guy, but put into a position of where you, you know, you're a heart surgeon and you're going to do a foot surgery or a foot surgery. God, doctors want to do a heart surgery. You had to bring in somebody that was strong to take the Pac-12 back and bring it back where it was. And then again, they never showed the support of USC. And you could tell I'm upset at that when they came into committee, the NCAA, and just hammered them. And everyone in the Pac-12 just stood there, including the athletic director at USC. He was going to handle it a, a political way, and that doesn't work. And uh, the rest of the schools in the Pac-12 just stood back. They said, well, this is the way we can turn it around. We haven't been able to beat them. So let's uh, let's see how they do with all these sanctions, with Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, and all of that. So basically, they're to blame. For the whole situation, the face of the program, the Pac-12 has always been Southern California, and uh, they let it go down. So I say it's the president's fault for the hiring of who they've hired. How about the athletic directors at USC? Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to point fingers, but I am. Pat Hayden, what experience did he have as an athletic director before he came to USC? Uh, Lynn Swan, uh, what experience did he have as an athletic director at USC? Mike Bone comes to USC, and uh, I guess they didn't do the due diligence they were supposed to do. And within one year, he's named the Athletic Director of the Year, and then all of a sudden he's being fired at USC. That seems to be a little strange to me because of the hiring of Lincoln Riley. So there's been a lot of turmoil in the Pac-12 as well as at on campus at USC, UCLA, you know, they got to pay alimony to Cal. Now, how bad is that? I mean, they're going to the Big Ten, yet they have to split the revenues or whatever the agreement is with Cal. What are you talking about? I mean, please, uh, carry your own program. Don't be a crybaby and share your money with people and so on. And that's what I've sort of uh, feel like, like Stanford and Cal, oh, we can't have this person come in. They don't have the academics and all this and that. Well, maybe they ought to join a conference with some of the Vanderbilts and Georgia Techs and, and the rest of the academic world, world, throw Caltech in there, start a football program there, and they can they can do that. But those are great football programs. They've proved to be great football programs in the past. Why can't they be now? So, you know, I sort of blame the conference, the presidents, and all this on themselves. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a lot of – I mean, there's certain things out there, Coach, that are just the landscape of college football has changed – 
Um, you know, the, the passion on the West coast, there's a lot of other things to do. You know, you can, there's a lot of arguments there, but still most of these wounds are self-inflicted and, uh, you know, it starts from the president's keeping Larry Scott around as long as you did, uh, paying him as much as you were and to have the kind of performance that he just drove the conference into the ground. And now in the last 13 months, you've had three programs leave, you know, uh, uh, a quarter of the conference just, you know, walking out the door. That's not uh, that's not good for your, the Larry Scott legacy, which was already highly tarnished. So we'll see what we'll we'll monitor the Pac-12 uh, going forward and see what's going on here. For me, you know, some USC fans really don't care. They think they would like the Pac-12 to die. But USC still lives on the West Coast. I mean, they are, you're existing on the West Coast. It would be good if West Coast college football was good. Uh, and USC can be a part of that, even with USC being in the Big Ten. At least that's my opinion. So, um, And I agree with you, yeah. Ryan. I agree. I just want everybody to know I agree with you. I hate to see the tradition of the Pac-12 go away. I really do. And I hate to see the tradition of the Rose Bowl go away, where the Pac-10, when they opened practice, they said, our goal is to go to the Pasadena on January the 1st and play in the Rose Bowl. The Big Ten said the same thing. And the traditions that were out there, if you look what's going on now with the Rose Bowl game and all of that, you know, they've allowed money to change everything. This year they have a semifinal game. That means the teams fly in two days before the game. They both fly out the same night, but they're both expecting to win to play for the national championship. Two years after that, it's a quarterfinal game. So they both fly in two days before the game and fly out uh, the night after the game, but they expect to play in a semi-championship game. And then, Three years from now, they don't even have a contract. They don't even know what the game is going to be about. Because the administrators and people out there, it's not the tradition of college football anymore or the Pac-12 or any conference. It's all financial. It's all money, driven by money. Uh, By the amount of money everybody is making and spending and all this and that, it's lost the real flavor and excitement that I've experienced during my years of college football. And the traditions and the uh, great events that have gone on. You know, why wouldn't the Rose Bowl host every single year the national championship game? Why? Why? They don't because they, they bid it out. People buy it. SoFi bought it last year, and I don't think they made any money on the game because they had to pay so much money for the game. Now, I didn't do the accounting, but I'm telling you, you know, it's it doesn't make sense. Everything driven by money, 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 everything. Players, uh, universities, coaches, commissioners, I think Larry Scott, what did he make? Five million a year or something like yeah, that, Yeah, something crazy. I mean, really. I mean, you got to wear a mask when you're performing that type of job with five million a year. It's uh, it, it was disgusting, Coach, to be honest. I mean, just what he did to the Pac-12. And the presidents run it. You know, they he answers to all the presidents and – they didn't stand up to him. And, you know, presidents of universities have a lot of other things to do. You know, sports are a part of it. But, um, you you know, they don't know the sports world like the athletic directors do. And Larry Scott kept the athletic directors at arm's length for a long time and didn't really get them into the fold until later. And then uh, then the presidents start hearing more about that and, you know, why this wasn't you know going in the right direction and all that. So we'll see what happens with the Pac-12. But I want to get back to USC stuff. Um, USC held a media day, uh, so an internal media day, on Thursday. It was about three hours. I was in there, a lot of media members, um, 
No Lincoln Riley. We heard from him like from the very beginning, but anyone that was at Pac-12 Media Day, so you know, we didn't hear from Caleb Williams, um, Mason Cobb, but they brought in, it was like a half an hour at a time, coach, six different shifts, and they did position groups along the way, offensive line, uh, running backs. We did get to hear from Miller Moss. Uh, all the assistant coaches were there for with their position groups, you know, receivers and tight ends and you had defensive linemen, you had linebackers, you had defensive backs, um, and specialists were thrown in there as well. Uh, it was it was a great opportunity, and uh, we're still you know we put up a ton of video over at our uscfootball.com uh, YouTube channel uh, at Inside Troy if you want to check out all those videos. I mean, there's just a lot of them. All the interviews that we did, I mean, I, there must there were dozens of players there, so we kept doing you know interview after interview after interview. So there was a lot to consume and I haven't gone through them all yet myself. Um, and we're putting up stories every day over at uscfootball.com. So make sure you go check those out. But, uh, anything that you, you saw read from media day coach that kind of stood out to you that you wanted to discuss. Well, I, I, I watched, uh, a, a portion of it. I mean, I'm on vacation, so I didn't attend it. Um, uh, but it was in a setting, at least it was inside. And I understand that uh, you could use a restroom, but you had to be escorted to that restroom. And I'm just sort of making a joke of the whole thing, okay? Uh, I guess you couldn't be trusted to go to the restroom. You might see something. And then I understand there wasn't any lunch served. I'm just giving you the negatives, okay? Uh, and I understand you got a bottle of water, which was which was nice. And I've, I've complained about this all the time, okay, as far as the... Uh, area in the practice field where we have what we call the playpen. Now, Ryan, let me ask you, are they going to allow us to go on top of the baseball stadium to watch practice? Some of that video you're shooting, you're upstairs there. Is that where we're going to be de- uh, dealing it this year up there, or are we going to be in the playpen? Yeah, so I'll, we, we'll go over the first day of fall camp at a big coach, and I'll kind of talk about what we know from that. But we don't know yet. They haven't told us, at least for the first practice we were there, but we might not be there for any other practices. We might be there every one. We're just not sure yet. Yeah, and then again, now, don't get me up, but I support you guys, okay? But you're the face of the USC football program. Uh, you really are, and uh, people get all their information from the services and the media as far as what's happening in the USC, and I really feel they should treat you guys right. And I, the way I understand it, you didn't even have a room uh, as far as when you were at practice or media day, or that you're not going to have a room even to go to the be able to sit down and work on your stuff or whatever. I guess you go to your car and turn the air conditioning on or whatever. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I really don't buy this and understand this. And Lincoln Riley, I want you to know I'm talking to you too. You're a first class guy. You've got a first class program. I hope someone's listening from the athletic department to treat your media better as far as treating them first class because you guys work so hard, Ryan. I know you're in your staff. You're getting up at six. You're getting there too. You're covering people. You're doing what you're doing, and I just want them to listen to an old coach who's been in a lot of stadiums and run a lot of media rooms and a lot of press boxes. That I really think that's one area they got to clean up, and uh, people haven't uh, really uh, understand what I'm talking about. But you're not in the media at all, uh, but you depend on these guys like Ryan and these other services that bring all this uh, information to you. And you're the face of USC football as far as the public and the alumni and the parents and all of that. And, and I'm speaking out. 
was I'm not afraid to speak out. Like I spoke out against Larry Scott all along, and I spoke out against, you can't, uh, why don't you take a snap on the Senate? Well, we just don't do it that way when Graham Harrell was there. I mean, I speak out when I have a, uh, a topic to talk about, and I really think you guys should be treated better with more respect, and I also appreciate from USA to give you access to those players as far as being able to interview them. I think that's wonderful. But again, you know, you've got to be able to address the media and make sure that you know that they're being treated as every other university. I'd like them or Katie Ryan or some of those staff to visit a seminar at Alabama or LSU or Ohio State or Notre Dame and see how those media rooms or media are being treated. And Ryan, I'm sorry to do this on your your podcast and your, your service, but you deserve someone to say how good you are and how hard you work. And I know you have great associations with everybody there. You do. And I just want to stick up for you and your guys. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm curious. I, you, I hear from other media members how other places are run and it's, it's a wide variety. And I think it depends if it's, you know, even when Lincoln Riley was in, you know, Norman, Oklahoma, it seems like there's a difference when it's a college town versus a professional town. Like if you're, you know, the University of Miami, there's a lot of other things to do. There's a lot of other sports in that area. You can't close off access, but you, it's easier to close off access in like Tuscaloosa because that's the only game in town. So I think Lincoln Riley, to his credit, has been more open uh, with the media. And I think, I think it's a relationship that's still growing, Coach, to be honest, from talking to Riley and sort of what he wants and what he feels comfortable with. Um, he's, I think he's been slowly opening things up more. The Media Day thing last year was great, and I'm glad they did it again. Um, yeah, it was weird. It was like at lo- it was at noon. So it was basically come eat before you get there. Uh, so, I, yeah, that was a little – I was a little hungry, but that's okay. I, mean, I don't mind. Like, I you know, just won't go out to eat afterwards or whatever. But uh, that was good. And then, you know, for for practice, it's, uh, you know, going to be a couple days a week where it's partially open. You can watch the, the beginning and things. And the most important thing for us, Coach, is still having access to the players, being able to do interviews. And the fact that we can do that, I think we can still do our, our job. We used to have uh, a media room in the sports information office, but, you know, they've they, they were so cramped uh, that they, you know, they weren't able to do that anymore. So basically media people spread out, you know, we'll go to the Annenberg school or we'll go to different buildings. where We know there's a lounge. We can sit there and kind of do our work. So it's not, it's not terrible or anything. Uh, but I'm curious to see when they build a new facilities coach that that might free up some room in heritage hall where sports information is. And we might be able to get back in there because I think essentially what happened was when they built the John McKay center and that's why they needed new facilities this was a Pat Hayden thing too. I like they literally didn't have enough office space. Like they built the offices without any sort of foresight into what the future of college football would be. It was basically like, all right, Lincoln, right. I mean, it wasn't Lincoln liar. Lane Kiffin has this many guys on his staff. We'll make that many offices. And it was, that was it. And that's when you had like one analyst and now everyone has, you know, dozens of analysts and there's no place to put them in the John McKay Center. So I think they've a lot of it spilled over into Heritage Hall. They don't have a lot of room. Curious to see when they build the new football facility, 
the other sports can kind of take over John McKay, then maybe it opens up some room and Heritage Hall will have a room in there again. I'm not sure, but just kind of speculating. But, yeah, just sort of uh, a few thoughts there, Coach, on it. Well, I'll tell you, to me, it looks like they went to UNLV and they took a look at what they built there. I started it when I was there, and they finished it with Tony Sanchez, the Fertitta football complex. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Media rooms, they've got everything for everyone. Uh, it's unbelievable. they got snack shops in there. You can eat if you're media. I mean, uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, when I went there for spring, uh, I was met by one of the people, intern people that walked me all over practice. I mean, I was treated Unbelievable. Maybe, maybe I don't know if they treated me as a past coach or a media or whatever. Probably as a past coach, but it was really unbelievable. Media was there. Uh, they've got a new head football coach and Barry Odom from uh, Arkansas. But I think you've got to do that. And and the new facility at uh, USC that I've seen the design is almost a spitting image of what they have at at UNLV. I mean, the way they have the two fields where you walk right out and you're on the football fields itself. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if they're not thinking of the media when they're putting together this new facility, then they're not thinking, okay? So um, I think that uh, you need to have people involved that know about that, uh, advise them on those certain things, too. And I'm sure they do when you spend $100 million or whatever they're spending to build that building. So, yeah, uh, you know, I just hope it's... uh, Ryan, a little bit better for everyone. That's all I'm saying. When you improve it for the players, improve it for everybody. Share the love just a little bit. And I agree with you. I think Lincoln Riley is, is learning. If you heard him speak even at media day, he says it's been a, a change. Uh, coming from Norman, Oklahoma to Los Angeles has been a, a different scene for us. And I think it is a change as far as being in L.A. compared to Norman, Oklahoma. But, uh, again, you make those adjustments. Just like he said, uh, the second year will be easier than the first year. Uh, nothing's easy in college football or college athletics. Nothing's easy. But when you're at the top, everybody wants to come after you. They all want what you have. They want the crown. Right now, it's, it's USC being favored as, uh, to win the Pac-12. Do you think uh, Utah agrees with that? Utah's beat him, uh, beat him twice last year. Do you think that Washington agrees with that? They're 11-2 and two and USC has selected them as a homecoming game. So normally you pick a team for your homecoming game that you think you can beat. So if I'm the coach at Washington, I'm saying, hey, guys, they picked us. So they're going to satisfy their alumni on us. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, rah-rah and a lot of things you can do, especially at Oregon. When you go visit Oregon, you know, that's a tough place to play. So uh, And it's going to be challenging at Notre Dame. But, again, one game at a time, one play at a time, and that's what they're going to be doing. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the opening of fall camp. It was Friday morning. They're doing, uh, first of all, they're doing early morning practices. And we got to talk to Lincoln Riley on Friday after practice. Um, the reason being that because it's a week zero game, they've moved up fall camp. The beginning of camp is usually corresponds with the end of the summer semester. And then they would have a few weeks off or a couple of weeks off before um, the, you know, the, the actual fall semester starts and you can kind of focus on football, but there would be some class conflicts usually for that first week of camp typically, 
because players are taking summer school. It's kind of all over the place. Well, now there would have been like two weeks of that. So most of camp would have been disrupted. So what they're doing is having these practices early. We actually talked to a bunch of players about that, what they thought. And most of the guys are like, yeah, once I get up, it's okay. It's just getting up. is tough. Um, but they do kind of like getting it over with. So, you know, early parts of the camp, there'll be early morning practices. And like coach mentioned earlier, the first practice we get to watch, uh, well, for all practices, we get to watch the first few periods. It's stretching basically, and then some individual periods. So like the, the players on the offensive side, offensive linemen will do their own thing. Uh, defensive linemen, you know, do their own thing. Receivers will catch passes from the quarterbacks and the DBs will do footwork drills or whatever. There's some tackling drills for linebackers, whatever it is, they're individual position drills. And then, um, but we were in Dado Field in the stands on the uh, first base side. So a little different viewpoint. They were they were actually practicing on the outfield of Dado Field for the most part. And then they had the offensive linemen come back over uh, to Howard Jones where they normally do. But we did get to see the offensive line up close where we normally don't get to from our vantage point on uh, Howard Jones Field. I asked, um, you know, USC representatives if that was going to be the case going forward and um, they don't know they, at least they didn't know enough to tell us or weren't going to tell us so we'll see we might have a few practices over there we get a different vantage point and then we come back uh, to Howard Jones or the next practice that we can go to which is going to be on Wednesday might be right back on Howard Jones and it's just everything's back to normal so that's sort of where things were coach but it was good to see you know guys looked you know what we saw at media day there's a lot of dudes that just look bigger faster stronger uh, than what we've seen. Uh, but uh, kind of any thoughts from the opening of, of fall camp for you and the early practices and all that, Coach? Well, no, but uh, one thing, if you noticed uh, with Media Day, every coach that spoke said, we're bigger, we're faster, we're stronger, we had a great off season. we're looking forward to the practices. I mean, every coach said the same thing. So again, USC is bigger, faster, stronger, and getting ready for their second year of competition, and they should be. The biggest increase for a new football coach is probably his second year as far as getting everybody on the same page and getting after it and recruiting the players that you need and so on. And I think that's exactly what you should expect to see out there. And I think that when you're USC, you expect to see that every year out there because if you're going to play for a national championship, it's important to have great coaching, but it's also important and it makes you a better football coach when you have great players. And I think they're making a step to get that down. And I think Lincoln Riley knows exactly that it is him and his staff, but it also has a lot to do with the players. And I think this year is going to be very, very important with the senior. Well, he's going to be a junior, but the senior Caleb Williams, who will have one more remaining year at USC. And then where do they go next? Because they'll open up the Big Ten uh, with uh, Miller Moss or whoever the next quarterback is going to be. And that's going to be quite a challenge. So I think they got to make good on everything that's happening this year and improve as a football team so they're ready for the Big Ten because it's going to be a Rose Bowl game every day when you're in the Big Ten because the Big Ten has the pride of thinking, well, they're not going to just come in here and beat us up. We're going to show them that we've been the better conference all along. So they're going to you know, be sort of the stepchild coming into their backyard or trying to play in their uh, stadium, and they're going to try to prove that uh, this isn't the fact. But I'm glad to think that and see that you think they're bigger, faster, and so on. And it's sort of disappointing, and I just say this, that they can't tell you how you're going to be able to watch practice. Because if you watch practice like we've watched practice the last couple of years, 
we say this we see the same girls every single day with the same players we really can't expound or talk more about what we see for the 20 minutes that we're on the practice field because they say always the defensive backs or linebackers in front of us and the offensive line and defensive line are so far away that some of you guys bring binoculars or whatever you want to call them to try to watch practice, which doesn't give us a clear a clear opinion on how everything is going. But uh, I'm, I'm anxious to get out there. I'm going to be out there, I think, next Tuesday. I think that's an open practice. And I guess it starts, what, uh, they, they, they start practice at 6.30. I, th- I think it's 6.30 or 6 o'clock. Yeah, there's and a I couple good, couple right? different practice times, but like six six thirty for the first couple of weeks is when we got we got practice to go to. Yeah, I think that's good because first of all, the heat is terrible. Okay, and we had to practice early when I coached at UNLV. Okay, we really did. And I, my first game at UNLV, we had a zero week game too, and uh, it was a blessing because we got an extra week of practice that other schools didn't get. Then we had a buy after that, and I had to make some changes in our lineup. We were beaten. Uh, I didn't know. I hadn't heard of the name Steve Young. So we opened against BYU and Steve Young, and I was introduced to him. I thought we played a pretty good game. We lost 27 to zip. But then he went on and beat everybody else 70, 80 to nothing. And that's when I discovered Randall Cunningham. And Randall Cunningham started. He I was going to redshirt him, and he started the next game. But... Uh, Zero week uh, has advantages, too, because you can uh, get more practice days in that help you out more during the season. You get an extra week against uh, the team you're playing the second week as far as getting a lot of things, uh, you know, cleaned up. And uh, I think Notre Dame has a zero week game, too. So uh, I think it's good. Gives us more of a chance to get out there and watch practice and evaluate the players. But... uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I want to eyeball people. If you know where I stand, you always watch me when they come in the gate. I like to eyeball them and uh, watch them walk through the gate and get a real physical look up close of just exactly who they are and what they look like and and all of this and that. And then uh, during the period of practice, I have, a what, about 10 minutes or uh, stretching. You know, you don't learn anything for stretching, but the 10 minutes I can watch practice, I try to get as much done as I can. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a couple questions, and uh, we'll let you go and get some final thoughts from you, Coach. So back in a minute. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Before we jump in the questions, Coach, was there anything else you kind of wanted to touch on? We do have a couple questions about the defense, so we'll we'll get into that too. But was there any other topics you wanted me to uh, chat about with you? No, let's move forward. Let's uh, uh, you know talk about uh, things that our listeners would like to talk about. And I thank all of them uh, because we try to give you our opinion on your knowledge of the game of football, we respect it, and uh, i like to uh, discuss it and see if I agree with you or give you some points of my thought. All right. Well, let's start with Richard. From the end of spring practice until the start of fall camp, excluding incoming transfers, uh, in your view, what types of things did the coaches do in hopes of improving the defense? That's from Levi. Well, I, I, I've said this all along, is making sure you get the best players on the football field. And once you get the best players on the football field, you got to make sure you have them in a position where they can perform the assignments that you give them. It's very difficult to put a player in a position that he hasn't played before. He has to learn it. And also, remember, you recruited these players for a reason, because you liked them on field for a position they played. So you've got to make sure you get them on the field. You've got to make sure they understand their assignments because busted plays on defense cost you points and yardage. And you've got to put them where they, you're better to do and be very simple and have them do their assignments correctly because if I have better players than you do, I'm going to win. I'm going to lose if they can't perform. So I've got to make sure that I get my players on the field. They feel comfortable on the assignments. I don't confuse them running on and off the field with the signals and there's no communication on the defensive side of the football between the front seven and the back four or vice versa or whatever. So I want to make sure my players are comfortable as far as lining up in all the correct defenses against certain formations and motions and so on with the calls and and make sure that they are ready to play in their condition properly. Now, you know, I've seen them in the past put some players in positions where I thought it was very difficult for them to perform that uh, in the past, in the past couple of years. And I don't know if there's going to be changes in that or not. And I think that I'm going to be looking and seeing how much uh, the linebacker play is, because I haven't thought the linebacker play has been worth a damn as far as uh, attacking and tackling and and not allowing a back to drag you the extra yard and so on, stepping up and knocking somebody on his ass. I mean, I think that's something that a linebacker takes a lot of pride in. And when guys go after the quarterback, I mean, you go after the quarterback, you know, this guy never gets touched during the week. So look at him as wearing a red jersey and you got a shot at him. Okay, as long as it's legal. I'm not advocating any type of dirty play. And uh, getting your offense or defensive lineman to, to penetrate and make plays and run to the football. And when you get to the football, tackle. Uh, USC has always had a problem with it. Not always. I mean, the last couple of years of uh, not tackling well, uh, more or less uh, 
stripping the football, more emphasis on stripping the football than hitting somebody and knocking them down. And if the ball comes out, that's fine and strip it. Don't get me wrong. But you got to play aggressively on defense. You know, uh, my feeling is we're going to win more football games if someone doesn't score on us. It might be a tie, 0-0. But, guys, you're going to win football games. You're going to stop the momentum. You're going to give us the ball when the game's over with, when we can drive down and win. You're going to give us field position. You're going to do it all. I'm going to build up my defensive side of the football. I'm going to let the offense know that we're going to win because these guys are going to do a three and out, and we're going to get the ball more often. So I hope that Coach Lincoln Riley, as he said, is going to spend more time on the defensive side of the football and be a part and let those people know that it is important. I'm not just an offensive guy. I'm a defensive guy, too. And now bringing in that, uh, he brought in a quarterback coach and so on, maybe he'll be able to do that. But we'll have to wait and see. All right, we got a another defensive question. This is a voicemail for you, Coach. I'll play it. Hey, Ryan, this is Sir Eric of Troy. Uh, I wanted to leave a comment because I saw Lincoln Riley uh, during the Pac-12 media day, and he was speaking about uh, Alex Grinch's defense and how he saw so much improvement and everything, and he's happy with what he sees. I'm wondering if you guys think that he really, really means that and he's actually honestly seen the, the improvement, or is that a head coach just being supportive of one of his assistants and we all really just have to wait and see? Uh, I'm thinking that to tell you the truth, at the end of this year, the fans are going to get what they want either way because either it is going to be correct and Alex Grinch is going to be much improved and that's what we wanted, or Alex Grinch is going to be gone and that's what we wanted. So that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. I'd like to get your take on it. Sir Eric of Troy, thanks. Well, Eric, uh, let me put it to you this way. How could it get any worse? than it was at the end of the year. And I am negative when I say that. But what have you been living with for the last two or three games of the season? As far as everybody wondering what happened to the defense against Utah, what happened to the defense against Tulane? I mean, please, you have these games won. You could win these games, but you're not stopping anybody. It's embarrassing, really. It was embarrassing the Cotton Bowl to be on national television. Not that, uh, let's give Tulane credit. They have a good football program, but, you know, that was a bad setup. That was a setup for USC, but Tulane had nothing to lose in playing USC, and they certainly proved that. And basically, at the end of the game, I thought USC quit. I hate to say that. I thought they quit. The way they went down to the field, I mean, ran the football and threw the football against USC. And so if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm going to say, yeah, we're going to be better on defense, because if you're not better on defense, you're in for a long season, my man. And, you know, when you talk about heralded players, like you got a defensive lineman from Georgia, and Georgia plays great defense. You get a you know, Lucas from Texas A&M, and you get bars from, uh, or balls uh, from Arizona, and you get some of these portal guys, and all of a sudden the uh, expectations of the defense becomes a lot better. Now, I think they'll have more depth. But, again, uh, you've got to get these guys to play. And, and I've always got to... Uh, a little bit of a suspect in my mind because whenever I took players in the portal or they came and redshirted, I always worried about that being why. Why did they leave Georgia? Why did they leave Texas A&M? Why did they leave Arizona? Well, we're going to find out. And why uh, is uh, Alexander uh, injured? I mean, the last uh, player we got from Alabama, that player uh, would never play the entire year or season, the defensive lineman. So 
I want to see these guys playing. I want to see them on the hoof. And I want to see them getting after it. But as far as the credentials, as far as five-star, four-stars, uh, playing uh, and all of this and that, oh, yeah, they got all the credentials. But, you know, uh, now getting into the action, when the combat starts, now you want to find out just how tough they really are and see if who they are. And I want to hear their names being announced on the PA announcer when he says tackle by. I want to see it. I want to see guys really playing like they love defense and they can't wait to get back on the field. All right, coach. We got one last question for you. Uh, our buddy Dan, class of 1962, he says, You're both missed while you're on hiatus. Coach, I appreciate your total knowledgeable and fearless answers to listener concerns and questions. I was totally unaware of the loss of top spring sport coaches over the last 20 years or so. USC rightly brags about the more than 100 national championships, of which only 11 are in football. It was top coaches that made that happen. One thing I noticed in track and field is that the top SEC schools recruit to foreign athletes, but that takes resources. In my estimation, USC will not be tops in track and field as they were in the past unless we recruit top athletes worldwide because the sport is bigger in Europe and the Caribbean than it is in the USA. But as the coach said, it takes money. Fun on a win, uh, Dan, class of 1962. And I'll make a comment quick, Coach. Um, so John Kolich is someone I met with. We've had on the podcast. He's a former USC track athlete, huge uh, donor, uh, supporter of USC track and field, uh, built the John Kolich Center. They built a throwing uh, stadium in the South Bay. He's part of the South Bay Athletic Club. He's definitely getting resources rallied around the track and field programs. Um, they've made good coaching hires. Uh, they definitely are recruiting internationally. I've gone in through the office and got a tour and everything. I'm supposed to have been talking to Quincy Watts. I haven't uh, had him on the show yet, but I definitely want to do that. Um, so, yeah, the, I think they're definitely putting investment there. Are, and, and it takes money, like you said, but there is a – uh, a booster, an alumni, someone that really supports the track program and wants to win is gathering resources and putting them into track and field. But any thoughts on that, Coach? I just wanted to kind of share what, what I know at least about track and, and what they've been doing. Well, you know, uh, yeah, like I said, the philosophy is uh, you've got to want to win and you've got to get the type of coaches that can get the type of athlete. And uh, no matter what sport they're their coaching that is superior and i always used to say uh give me a recruiter before you give me a coach because uh if you get me great recruiters i'll coach the whole team because i know my players are better than anybody else so i think it's important to be able to have the financial needs to go out and get those type of players and i think that you got to have the booster club and the university understands that there is more one than one sport at the university just like you know, take the beach volleyball team and their tremendous team that they have. It's, they've demonstrated that the type of uh, water, water polo programs they've had in the past and swimming programs and track and field and uh, baseball's improved this past year. Uh, but, you know, when, when we had the type of leadership that you had in the athletic department over the last couple of years, those guys didn't understand that. And, uh, you know, Pat Hayden thought it was a good idea that everybody went to a play. Or these different things. You remember all of that, right? And I don't want to get on his ass, but I'm just telling you, uh, these are some of the things that they wanted to be an entire student and experience what a student is. Well, 
you know, let a student experience what an athlete is. I mean, an athlete has to compete on the field and in every classroom and pass every test that they have the opportunity of taking and studying the entire weekend. So, you know, you know, I, I want to go back to all of that, but I tell you, it's the coaches and it's the players and a relationship and desire to win and be at the best. But you can't do that unless the administration wants you to be that way. And they finance it. And your athletic director is someone who's been there before and and compliments the coaches and makes it possible for them to, to go out and do that and, and attends those events and make it be important to those student athletes that they see the football team out at a water polo match or at a tennis match. The football team is out there cheering for them. That's what brings a family together. It's not you compete against each other for the bucks or the dollars and the jealousies. Why is football getting this and why aren't we getting this? You all got to get this if you want to win in every sport. Now, football's out there, but you got to have the other sports be out there, too, and they got to be important to the people who played those sports and the alumni who enjoy those sports. And there's nothing better than to read your name on that uh like the the beach volleyball team, how dominant they are. I tell you, it's unbelievable to be able to do what they've accomplished. It's tremendous because I happen to know the Nethercuts, who's Merle Norman, and how proud they are that they win and they play on their courts that are there on campus. So all of those things are, are available because people built the facilities and put the investment in there to have these type of teams. And it starts at the top. Carol Fultz got to pass the word down to the new athletic director, and whenever they decide to do that, it'd be great. I mean, I don't know what the process is, but get somebody in there. You know, not nothing against the people who are there, but hey, let's get this done. Let's get this done. Let's get somebody in there that they, how long does it take to hire an athletic director? I mean, really, if you know what you're doing, and you're a college president, you have relationships well, you call around the country and you find out. And at USC, you go after any AD, uh, the best ADs in the country. You don't go after a guy that's at a place that uh, uh, I don't even throw any names out. But hey, you you call up Notre Dame's AD, you call up Ohio State's AD, Smith. You call up anybody. Hey, I'm so and so, and would you consider being our athletic director at USC because we're willing to give you a, a, a five hundred thousand more dollars, okay? You can entertain anybody. You don't have to go out and search and get somebody from a school that hasn't done anything. Hey, where are USC? How'd they get Lincoln Riley? We'll go out and get the AD at Oklahoma. I mean, bring him here too if that's what's going to help your athletic department. Don't search. Go after the best. When you have a problem at a doctor's office, do you go to a doctor that's ever done it before? You go to a doctor that's got a reputation and knows what's going on. Well, that's the same thing they got to do there. Carol Fult, go out and get one. If you don't know someone, then maybe you should step down. Because you're not the full-rounded person that should be in that type of position of the importance of knowing what your athletic department brings to the credibility of your university. I think the academics are very, very important. But I think also the people that cheer at homecoming and Parents' Day and all of that think it's important, too. And your donors think it's been damn important. Yeah, for sure. All yeah, right. How's that for a closing cause, huh? There you go. <laughs> huh? How about, all right, now let's take the field. Nice, coach. <laughs> You're ready. Um, all right. Well, 
Yeah, I think it's going to wrap things up here. We're uh, looking forward to talking more USC football uh, as we keep going on, you know, four weeks away, basically, from the start of the season. We'll have a lot of coverage from fall camp, everything up over at uscfootball.com. And, Coach, we appreciate you coming on, and we appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and listening to our show. Thanks again, Coach. Hey, Ryan, buddy. Thank you very much. And for all of you out there, I'm sorry. Uh, let's take the field now. And, and believe me, I've already uh, ordered the pizza <laughs> for the uh, post-game party. So let's all screw it up, okay? And uh, and I enjoyed it. I'm enjoying back uh, working with you. I guess I've been with you since, what, we all started this. What, 2008, as you said at the beginning? Yeah, crazy. Been a while. Crazy. Crazy. Man, I was 22 years old. And, <laughs> can you believe that? <laughs> Me too, I think. Uh, but uh, hey, Ryan, I'm just telling you, I went to we went through a lot of things, and I think you services do a great job, and I think that you should be credited for what you guys do out there. You know, like I do this because I really like talking football and I like you guys, and you know, I, I don't get paid for any of this stuff or so on. It's because of the love of the game and talking about that and working with guys like you that work so hard. And that's why I'm willing to step up and, and support you and let people know that certain things are going on that aren't right. And somebody's got to make a change and to see, like the athletic director should come to media day. And if that athletic director knows anything, hey, this isn't right. We should have a buffet here. We should have a bottle of water. We should have a room. We should have a restroom. Treat these guys with respect of who they are. And that's basically the things that I was talking about today, okay? Well, get it, Coach. Appreciate it, and I uh, appreciate you. Appreciate everyone out there. Like I said, hope you guys all enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.